0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store.
1: Let's take a look at the trailer for Fading Gigolo.
2: I have a very funny story to tell you. Today I was at my dermatologist. Mm -hmm. She tells me she was with her girlfriend. They came to the conclusion that they both wanted to have a menage. She asked me, do I know anybody? I said, yeah, it'll cost you a thousand bucks. I was thinking of you. Me. I am not a beautiful man. You have a certain kind of sex appeal. Are you on drugs? Uh, apart from my Zoloft, no. So what's the split? I saw myself getting a small fee. No. You do this often. No. Oh. It's like candy. Having sex with you. You're top shelf. Hard to reach. That's what makes you so good. How many times did you do it with us? More than once. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed. This makes it official. I'm your hoe. You're not gonna believe it. We're in demand. We got another customer. Maybe more. Oh, a gigolo. It's in the music business. They, they, you know, there's the music, the lyrics, and the, oh, yeah. and the gigolo part. Of it. Have you ever done it before? You know. Uh, Yeah, in 1977, during the blackout. Nobody could see anything, but uh, it was still very pleasant.
0: Maybe I should try him.
2: Do you have any idea
0: what goes on inside a woman's head? A woman is meant to be looked at, or else she'll
2: just fade away. Everybody needs contact. They need love. They need affection. They need passion. Do you know such a person? I do. A widow, huh? Yes. Is that part of the therapy? When you're ready. I want to get a little rainbow coalition here. Which one of these chosen people do you want to play with? There's a certain woman
1: in our community. i never seen her smile. Not like this.
2: So this is what you do? I guess so bring magic to the lonely. If you're a pimp, you gotta have a name. What about Dan Bongo? It's nice to meet you, Dan. Hey, Virgil and Dan, be the best you can. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Thelma
0: Adams from Yahoo! Movies, and our special guest, John Turturro. Hi. I'm Thelma, he's John. Right. <laughs> First question I have having, you know, seen that clip. How did you pick how did you go about casting all those beautiful women?
1: Well, initially the whole thing started with the idea that I would like to do something. I thought, you know, with Woody Allen that we could possibly be an interesting duo together. And then I thought, well, what would be the setting of it, (laughs) uh, What would be fun? uh, And what would be fun? And uh, I had a friend who had a bookstore, he lost it. He's an older Jewish man, he had a younger African-American girlfriend with all these kids, and I thought, well, Woody could be that guy, and suppose we, I worked for him, and if I had to reinvent ourselves, uh, you know, in the sex business. And I thought, well, yeah, I kinda like that idea. So, uh, (laughs) then I uh, shared that with my hair cutter who's Woody's hair cutter. And then uh, Woody really liked, I know he liked me, but he liked the idea. And so then I started talking to him and I did, you know, and I started writing it and he would give me his feedback.
0: So now, had you worked with him before that?
1: I knew him a little bit. Uh, I'd done uh, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters and I made a movie, Company Man, that Doug McGrath directed. He had wanted me for one movie, I couldn't do it, and another movie I didn't get, but I knew I was being considered for the main role, and so I always knew he liked me. But I thought we had enough differences, but enough similarities that, that we could possibly have good chemistry between us. But after getting to know him uh, during the various drafts of the script, uh, we worked in the theater together. And that really helped. Uh, you had directed the... I directed these three one acts, or relatively speaking. He he suggested me. It was him, Ethan Cohen, and Elaine May, and uh, that was quite Evil a question. bear. Evil
0: question: Who's the funniest of those three?
1: They're all they're all funny in different ways. <laughs> so, uh, and then by the time I had finished on all the drafts, it had been a couple of years. So that really helped to get over my shyness, you know, to direct him. So. Uh, but no, the women were not in mind from the beginning. No. I,
0: okay, so uh, what was in mind first was the relationship between
1: right.
0: pimp and prostitute, let's right. say. Right, or procurer Procure and, and Okay, yes. or okay. we can go through many oh, words. Uh, whatever, <laughs> oh, whatever it is, yeah. And, and you have said that that's, that's, in a way, a metaphor for acting. Yes, no?
1: I mean, in some ways. I mean, some of the... Uh, most famous actresses on stage, you know, a couple, you know, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, like Sarah Bernhardt, were courtesans. Uh, so uh, I, I do think there is a performance element, and there is a definitely a physical transaction that goes on, goes on between the client, you know, and the the person servicing the client. I've always been interested in uh, in films about streetwalkers. Uh, I mean, I think I saw one early on. Well, the Fellini film I love. That's one of my favorite films, Nights of Kabiri. yeah. But I love Barbara Stanwyck, and I saw her in a Frank Capra film. I uh, remember um, uh, Anna Magnani and Mama Rosa, uh, 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 Bunuel's uh, film, uh, Belle du Jour. You know, it goes on and on. Uh, uh, Never on Sunday with, uh, by Jules Desson. Uh
0: It's interesting, I was talking to Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke about this, and Julie Delpy was talking about how, you know, it, when they did the last movie that they did together, now mm-hmm. I'm spacing before sunrise, after midnight, what the, whatever the reefs before sunrise? I think it's after, mid- after, after mid- midnight,
1: <laughs> after midnight. Before
0: midnight. midnight. Okay, before thank you. Before midnight. Thank you very much, I appreciate it, because it's all running around in my head. But she was saying, saying that it's so much different when you've written the role right. and you're and you're having sex on screen than when someone else has written it and you're just there and that, that can be very uncomfortable and that, for her, could feel like being a prostitute.
1: When someone else has written the role?
0: When it, When someone else has written it and is directing it and she feels she has no control over the situation. Well, I
1: actually think the scenes that are leading to sex in a movie are much more enjoyable, pleasurable and much sexier to do than to do a love scene. You do feel very strange unless it's a great scene and there's a problem in a scene because every scene has to have an obstacle and if it doesn't have an obstacle then you're just kind of writhing and simulating and it's very very difficult. Sometimes people ask, you know, I've done scenes where you put on music or you have a drink or whatever but if you don't really know someone, you know. Sometimes I've been with very famous actresses. They're they're taped because they know that the director wants to see their breasts, and they don't want to show their breasts. <laughs> so right. it's it's to me it's more like uh, going to the doctor's office or something right. like that. You know. And so I don't find it uh, uh, pleasurable. Those. It's the other the other scenes that can be really intimate. You know. Uh, the scenes uh, leading
0: to the first kiss. Th- that's
1: that's right. That's right. And one of the reasons why I chose like a religious woman in the movie was that she would present that Vanessa Paradis plays this big you know, obstacle in the film because she comes from a restricted community and it gives you so much more to play because right. there's so much more to go through. Uh, and I, and that, that interested me. And also, if you make a movie about sex, I think you should have religion in it because they are interconnected.
0: And it's interesting also. So your your background is Catholic. Yes, it is. Woody Allen's Jewish. That's right. And there's a long history in New York of Jews and Catholics cavorting together. That's right. Co- collaborating. That's right.
1: To, well, collaborating. I mean, it was considered... I meant
0: artistically, but then again...
1: I mean, originally, everyone kind of stayed to their own tribes. So everything was like an intermarriage. Or, I mean, if, if an Irish woman went out at one time with an Italian guy, it was like an intermarriage. Right. It was, it was considered, you know, taboo.
0: Right. So,
1: uh,
0: or the Yiddish would be Shanda.
1: Yeah, that's right. So it's a, uh, it's a whole, you know, uh, it's, it, there's a lot of guilt go, that goes <laughs> the whole way around. <laughs> we, sh- anyway. we share
0: that anyway. But I, I think
1: in right. films about, about, if you think about actresses, think about how many actresses have played prostitutes and how many actresses have played nuns. Sometimes the same person right. made a career doing both. So, uh, I, I wanted to kind of reverse that and put the women in the opposite situation. Right,
0: which is interesting. Let's let's step back because I, it's interesting that you cast yourself as this, right, as the lover.
1: Right. Well, I'm basically it's all based on you know your life, my life story of, as a jiggler. So yeah. I was a jiggler for a long time. And now I admit it. So, so, uh,
2: so no, I, I so think
1: everyone has uh, you know their own sexuality, and when we see movies, it's always represented in a way, it's it's the ideal, the perfection. It's, it's this beautiful representation. And sometimes it can be the least sexiest representation. Because people who are really innately beautiful sometimes aren't that sexy because they're so used to receiving attention, not giving uh, attention, not holding someone's attention, not giving someone else uh, a chance to to kind of bloom and blossom in front of them. And I think everyone knows this. And you know, sometimes you can see all these different people and you can look at one person who's not perfect looking or whatever and you say, wow, she has that, this something. She has that, that spark. And I, that's, that interests me. I remember seeing Woody Allen movies when I was dating and he was the romantic guy. And I was like, my girlfriends always liked him. And I was always like, well, it was kind of encouraging, I said, well, <laughs> they like him man i mean I'm, I'm doing pretty I have a well. chance <laughs> you know I'm, I, I'm in good shape and everything like that, and uh i'm bigger than he is, so uh uh but you know he was very believable that way and it's and it's something it's kind of encouraging to see that when I see once in a while there are people who are beautiful and really erotic, and it's it it only happens once in a while like when you see Uh, Marlon Brando. when He actually had both. Right. And there were a lot of people who were beautiful, people, you know, and and women too, but they didn't have that other quality like Jean Moreau. Look at Jean Moreau. She's not a beautiful, you know, classic beauty, but man, I mean, I I just, you know, been in love with her. I'm still in love with her. Right. So...
0: She'll be in your next movie. Yeah, well,
1: sure. Right. She'll be in with the movie Julie Christie. Is, with
0: Julie Christie. Julie Christie and
1: Jean Moreau. That's right. my fantasy. Right? I, That's threesome. my real Menage fantasy. So, I yeah.
0: remember the night that I was at the New York Film Critics Circle, and we gave an award to Julie Christie. And, right. you know, New York Film Critics Circle is, I don't know, 90% men. Right. You know, in a good year. <laughs> Otherwise, it's 95. And the year we had Julie Christie come, right. I've never seen so many men kind of lose their ability to speak.
1: Well, because she was like a real fantasy, you know, woman from Darling on to Dr. Zhivago all the well, way up oh, into, yeah. you know, Shampoo, which was an influence actually on me for this film. I, I really loved
0: That's interesting the tone Tell, yeah.
1: Of shampoo. I, and I just liked even though he was a haircutter, he also kind of serviced everyone and it also took advantage of him in some ways. And uh, it was interesting when I went to find the perfect wig for Vanessa Paradis' character, I said Give me your Rolls Royce wig, and they brought this wig up. She wasn't in the shop, and it and I. And it's and a it Julie Christie. And it looked like Julie Christie's hair and shampoo. And then I th- I thought, it's probably not going to fit her well. It's not going to look right. But when she put that wig on, I was like overjoyed because I said, "Wow, she looks beautiful in it." It reminds me of like Joan of Arc, and it also reminds me of Julie Christie and shampoo. And. Uh, and you know th- that was an important element in the film the wrong wig or a wig without highlights that that you know m- immediately could really just sink a film very easily and I wanted the film to be to have a kind of palpable you know beauty like those Saul leader photographs that I used for inspiration right so. do you
0: want should we show the first clip Buenas noches. Hola. You look good. You look like a man. Not too pretty. Gracias. Do you have any idea what goes on inside a woman's head?
1: If I did, I wouldn't be here.
0: (laughs) Funny. You're funny. I like that. A woman is meant to be looked at. Or else you'll just fade away. Let's see what you can do. You're so sexy in that
1: scene. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, we were thinking that, you know, because the whole scene is then she sits down and and she starts to talk about, then they're watching vintage basketball and guys in those short shorts and how she liked guys in short shorts. And and we we get to know her, like, little by little. And I thought, you know, either we're going to show a big sex scene or they're going to get to know each other you know, physically by her just saying, okay, let me see if you can move. And Sophia and I just decided, I said, listen, I don't want to choreograph it. No choreography. Let's just see what happens and see if we get something going between us. And we can do various takes. And some takes, a lot of that was from the first take. You know, we were really kind of feeling each other out. And then other takes, then so we got too used to each other and it wasn't as good or we bumped into each other. And I thought that's the way that people get to know each other and the character that I play is like a physical man. He's comfortable in his body, but he's quiet with words. And uh, I thought that would be appropriate, so.
0: I wanna go back it, to and something that we were talking about in the green room, that the kernel of the idea was not these two guys who start a business. But they're,
1: they're well, hundreds. my first idea was they were trying to get out of the business, but they had got into it the same way, and that their clients were getting older, and uh, Woody thought that was interesting, but didn't maybe have as much legs as beginning from the beginning. So, it, you know, I did, originally, I was thinking about all these different older women, and one idea I did have was to have, because uh, I'm good friends with Elaine Stritch, uh-huh. and uh, I know that Elaine used to always go to confession after, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and I thought of her as a, uh, a, uh, an 80-year-old retired nun who was a virgin and wanted to have sex you know, before she died. And, uh, and then she did, uh, and you don't really see it. You, you see her going to get ready, and then when she looks up, she's 25 years old again and then, then it cuts to after sex, really, after the young girl gets in bed, and she's very, very disappointed. <laughs> she's, this is, because, you know, she's never done it before, you know, and the guy's... So it was this image of this woman who was this religious woman, and then that actually kind of developed into the Avogal character in a different way. But, uh, and that's
0: the Avogol character is the one that Vanessa Paradis plays.
1: She plays an acidic widow, that's right, and Leah Schreiber... Is in a, uh, Jonesing a, a, for her <laughs> Yeah, he's in love with her And he's the, the head of the uh, patrolman The patrol that they have Called the Shamrim. And But he just doesn't know how to talk to a woman Because he grew up with, with uh, They grow up very separated so, uh, But a lot of these women in these religious communities They're never ever courted They're just given So they, they, they've never had that experience So I thought that would be something interesting And also to take characters Like Sharon Stone's character who doesn't really have to pay for sex but wants to have sex because she has an unhappy marriage with someone but she wants no strings attached and she, but she's never done that before so, so she doesn't know how to do it and I wanted to put these people who had enough life experience in situations that were brand new and they would kind of thrust them into being in high school all over again and this happens throughout life because people break up People die, they get divorced, people lose their jobs, you know, and they have to reinvent themselves. And you wind up in this situation, you're saying, I'm a certain age, and now I'm, I have to start all over again. And I thought that could be interesting.
0: And I think that Sharon Stone pulls it off.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, she, she, she's very... Vulnerable. Vulnerable, right, and I think she actually is. I mean, it's very hard to be an actress. Much harder than being an actor, which is hard, but no way Why near. is that? Why don't
0: you talk about because that? Because
1: women are judged in a very different way. They also, uh, the parts just start disappearing after they're 35. I think, you know, you look at movies, most movies, it's like one or two, you know, one young woman and 25 guys with pumped up arms, you know, trying to save the world. It's just all, you know, it's a bunch of bullshit. It's like, you know, it's like the world... That's not the world, you know. The, the 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 most powerful influence in the world usually comes from the, a female influence on men and women. And yet, in movies, you don't ever explore. People don't explore, uh, you know, uh, the, the feminine position, you know, and influence and power. And also, you know, it's uh, you get these actresses who are ripe. They have all this experience, and they can bring that to them. And I, and I think all the actresses do a, you know, a wonderful job in the film. I'm, I'm just, I'm interested in women, and I like to be able to put them in a position where they're not imitating a man. You know? Right. And uh, you know, I, I'm married. I, I, I was, I was close to my mom. You know, I, I'm a son. I have a lot of women friends, and and I listen. You know, and I, and I, like, and I see you know, what goes on. So I tried to capture a little
2: of that.
0: And now we're going to capture, we're going to run with the the second clip. Okay. Even though I'd love to, we'll continue talking about this in a minute. Because we have a clip with Woody Allen, a comic clip with him and Lee Schreiber.
1: Okay.
2: What is this? I, 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 I think you've got the wrong guy. I've, I, I've already been circumcised. Come on, come on, come on! Enough hey, talk. In, in, so in. Get in, in. Good. I, I, what would I do? Break the dietary laws? He's loose. He's moving. He's, he's, on loose. he's on the loose. He's on the loose. He's on the run. Get him! Get him!
1: A number of rabbis have questions for you. Serious questions. We have your consent, right?
2: I don't know what's going on. I I, I, I want to speak to my lawyer, Saul Hirsch. It was up to me. I'd tie you to a stone and leave you on the side of the road. David had five smooth stones. I got this. Hey, look, that's not funny. I, I I, have no idea what crime I've committed. Crime? There's a certain woman in our community, a widow, a very special one.
1: I never seen her smile—not like this. But what you're doing—it's not right.
0: And what he's doing is making her smile.
1: Yeah, he's making, <laughs> her, he's making her. You know, the the other guy's making her happy, and the other guy, you know, doesn't understand that at all. And he and he comes to understand it a little bit.
0: Now now with with working with Woody Allen he he keeps claiming that no one has asked him to be in a movie.
1: Well, not that many people have. I think people are really intimidated by Woody. And uh you know, I mean he did the front I mean, as far as big role. He's done a right. couple of cameos right. throughout the years. He did scenes from a mall and uh you know, he was excited when I approached, you know, approached him with the idea and uh I know he liked my work a lot, and he just wanted to be in something that had nuance and that was sophisticated. And you know, once he was on the set, and I got over my shyness in about an hour, uh, he was uh, a prince to work with. And he's a wonderful actor. Uh, you know, he's one of those comic actors who can actually—he has gravitas. He can hold the screen. There are a lot of comic actors; they're not good on a big screen. They're—they're go- they're okay on television, but they can't. Uh, You know hold the screen. He's been the romantic guy. He's done the broad stuff. He's also you know can be serious He's really a really wonderful actor and when you act opposite of him you realize like oh wow This guy can this guy's good man. He's really good and he has that you know He's still a musician and And he was a stand-up comic comic, but I, I, I tell you I've worked with a lot of comic actors and there are some good ones. There are some people who have some kind of gravitas, but Woody is really, uh, he's really unique. That can, you, way. Can, you
0: give me, can you give me an example of a scene that you did together, like
1: remembering? He's just, you know, he's very alive in the moment. He can play the moment. He doesn't always have to make a joke out of it. He can also be vulnerable. And he can be serious. You know, and uh, whenever, many times I said, listen, be a little more delicate here, or, you know, there's a whole scene in a trial, I say, and and this is a serious moment, because you could really, you know, you could get hurt or something. And he can play it, you know, perfectly, you know. Uh, People, of course, people want to laugh when they see him, but you forget how there are many performances that he's given over the years that he really. Has you know, he brings a like a pathos to it. Right. If you look at Broadway, Danny Rose, there's some very tender, tender moments, and I think in the movie you can see that he really cares, even though he's pushing me to do something, not completely, you know, in an altruistic right. means. He, 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 there's an affection that he has for me, and I have for him, and you, you he definitely right. see it, and. uh because uh, he's
0: using you, you're using him. Yeah, but, but life is up. But there's an
1: exchange. Yeah, but we're friends, and there's 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 something more than that there. So uh, it was a you know it was a privilege to get to work with him, and you know everyone else felt the same way too. But I think you know people maybe they say well you know he does his own thing and he won't do something with me and you know so uh, I mean I'd work with him again in a second. And we really liked we, we really liked working together. You know. Do
0: you have ideas for that? I have thing?
1: something. Uh, I have something, but I haven't talked to him about. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to. No, but I would like to make ET. a movie one
1: day about you know because he plays jazz. I, I, my, my uncle's were jazz musicians, so I would love to make uh-huh. a movie about jazz, but not one of these tragic things about them shooting up and dying. Oh, I hate that art. Triumphing <laughs> at the end. You know, oh my God! You know, just please, you know, I just right. Uh, you know about how these people you know, live, breathe, and are married to their music. And, you know, I had uncles. They had, they had wives all over the country. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they were always happy. but <laughs> They were always in trouble. <laughs> but they were musicians. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, but people who never made it. And, and those things are much, But that much, life more is interplay. interesting. I it's mean, an it's, interesting life. Right,
0: it's not the star, it's the people who are the journeymen. It's the
1: sidemen. Right. right. It's the sidemen who keep it going. You know, Which is,
0: yeah, and m- this week is kind of sad, if it's exactly this week, the death of Roseland Ballroom.
1: That's right. So, you know... Because a
0: lot of those guys, my grandmother danced at Roseland oh, Ballroom.
1: That's right.
0: Don't tell anybody she picked up men at Roseland. Well, I mean, like,
1: Well, that's know. how people picked up people. Right. By dancing together. So, uh... But, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I'm a big jazz fan, and I like all kinds of jazz. So, yeah, I would, I just, I really liked working with him, because he was very professional. When he worked with Vanessa in the beginning, Vanessa Paradis and him, I could see how, you know, he had very good chemistry with her and all the kids. And, uh, and he was excellent on camera and off. And I was able to, to, to do the movie within six weeks plus, because really, because of Woody. You know, and Vanessa too, who was very—they were very fast—and then I brought everyone else in after them.
0: And what—and what's it like directing yourself? I mean,
1: Uh, sometimes it's as Woody goes, you know, there's one less person to talk to. You know, (laughs) he goes, uh, uh, and sometimes that's exactly right. Right, there's one less person to talk to, and sometimes it's a little schizophrenic if your schedule is tight. The, the pressure of the schedule can get to you, and then you're supposed to be relaxed in a scene and you look tired and tense. So that's a problem uh, sometimes. So you have to firewall it. Yeah, and sometimes you have to take a walk. My cinematographer, Marco Pontecorvo knew me very well, and he would tell me that. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, it depends who you're acting with. I would go to the playback when I needed it, but I didn't use it very often. I did not use it very often. Uh, so it's about, it's about having time You know, movies You try to capture something Within a very uh, limited time frame Unless you have ton of money uh, And, and Which, the more yeah. gentle the film And the more, you know Intelligent the film Is the less time you have That's how it is nowadays <laughs> uh, That's, <how laughs> that's it, the and tragedy to make of it, today Yeah, and you have to make it seem As if you have as much money As another film has So you have to be very, very uh, definitive in your choices and what you shoot and how you shoot. I mean, we shot this film on film, not on digital, because I thought it, it just was a, it was a more sensual medium. It's a more liquid medium.
0: I'm going to so. pause here, and we're going to go to the Q&A.
1: Hi. Uh, Hi. You've worked with a lot of directors who presumably all work in different ways, so I was wondering which director that you've worked with you sort of find yourself behaving like or emulating in terms of how you... I don't emulate care. anybody, I, but I take from a lot of good directors that and wonderful directors that I've worked with uh, in some of the things I'm saying, creating an environment, being relaxed, being prepared. Uh, you know, Some directors play music. I play music a lot. Sometimes I'll play music to help someone emotionally get them in the head. I'll ask them what they want. I'll put it in their ear. Uh, I work with a great Italian director, Francesco Rosi, who, you know, could he uh, was a master compositionally, and would show you these things compositionally that were so it was like entering into a, a a Rembrandt painting or something, and it was also emotional at the same time. So you take from that, or from Peter Weir, you know, who liked it to be very loosey goosey, yet he knew exactly what he was going to go for. And I just think, uh, in the end, you can't emulate anyone because your personality is revealed very quickly and if you like people if you're sensitive to people if you're responsible to the how much time you have yeah, you know people pick up on that and they know right away and if someone there you know you can have a key grip you know or do, a dolly grip make a good suggestion if, if the situation is relaxed enough you know and in a respectful way but I've worked with directors who think they're, you know, patent. You know, they think it's, you know, and uh, I don't like that. And I don't, I don't, and that doesn't get the best out of me. And then I try to figure out, sometimes I do more acting with those directors off camera than I do on camera. So, but you, you have to kind of figure it out and take from different things and then say, okay, in the end, it's your gut, it's your instinct that's going to, uh, you know, make that decision. You, you know, uh, I'm a Japanese, so yeah. I love Don was Gun Ho. Oh. Yeah. Then how was making movies with Japanese people? But I, it, was, it was good. I enjoyed <laughs> yeah, making it. But I'm a big, uh, you know, like when I did this film, I watched a lot of Mitsuguchi films. I'm a big, uh, and I'm a huge Kurosawa freak. And one of my favorite actors, one of my favorite actors of all time, I put him up there with Marlon Brando is Mifuni. Toshio Mifuni. I mean, he's... I think he... I consider him like... He's a hero of mine. I, I really mean that, so.
2: Um, Hattie. Uh, Interesting. Um, so you
1: wrote this knowing that you'd be playing this... This part, um, and that's a really vulnerable process. Do you feel like you wrote anything into your character that was actually a challenge, or did you try to stay comfortable too? No. What you yes, know? I did both. I used some ele- a couple elements of myself. My being comfortable with women, for example. I am. I have a lot of women friends. I share a workspace with my dear friend of mine. Uh, uh, you know, my mom used to make dresses. I used to, you know, cut the patterns with her and everything. So, but then I, I drew on other people that I knew so to not only to make it a challenge that i thought w- would make it more interesting character a, a person who's a little more isolated in life a little bit more like of a samurai even though he works in a flower shop uh, 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 you know uh, i have a friend who's very very talented but he's not ambitious and he can he can do anything he can take an engine apart he can cook a meal he can fix your a fixture your, your plumbing And you watch him, and you're like, wow, this person is, and he's really smart. But he just, he stays, you know, he's a quiet person. And I thought, wow, imagine if he was in this situation, you know, in a way. Uh, And then I have another person who's had a series of relationships, and and I've always become friends with his girlfriends, and then they never last and i i always think like well why why does it not one ever last and there's something a little wounded about him you know like i think cuz his family situation was one that he doesn't want to ever repeat i guess and that's what happens to people so i did i did several and and it was hard at times to find the right you know lightness and 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 not make it too heavy too you know, the the right sort of tender line to play cuz i wanted the guy to be like a confident person, but not cocky. Not thinking about the result of getting to home base or making a lot of money, but just kind of being in the moment. Uh, and uh, it was it was actually, sometimes I knew I was in the zone and sometimes I was like, wow, I'm, I'm still, even though I wrote it, I'm still finding my way, so.
2: How did you develop the voice for Francesco Bernoulli? What was your experience like and what, what was it like working with John Lasseter and the rest of the Pixar crew? And what is Cars 3 going to be like from your point of view? I'm, I'm not in Cars
1: 3. I liked working with John uh, Lasseter. He was very, very specific. They, they show you the drawings. They show you everything. And uh, I tried a, a, a various different voices. And then I kind of based it on a friend of mine. Who I imitated for John, and John liked that. And tried to add a little Italian. He's a friend. A guy who was my uh, first distributor uh, for for Mac. So I used that. So, but I enjoyed it.
2: Hi. Hi. Uh, what was the one of the most difficult uh, obstacles uh, of the movie?
1: The difficult obstacle of making any movie is time. So you've got to you got to prepare. You know, I prepared visually p- the palette, the costumes, everything. Trying to get the actors to come in. Woody knew it. Vanessa came in, you know, early. Did a lot of research. Leav did some stuff too. Sharon came in later. So you really have to make sure you're really prepared, so things are going to happen, like Hurricane Sandy, you know, uh, which happened, which shut us down. But it's it's the hardest thing is time. And if you only have 32 days, and some of them, one of them a second unit, or two of them a second unit, you have to. You know, if you lose one day, you've lost a big part of the movie sometimes. Uh, so you have to kind of imagine that you have more time than you do, but you have to be very, you have to understand how the day is progressing. It's, you're always under the gun that way, and you've got to try to stay relaxed. And sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't, because one person can hijack the whole day can be the cinematographer, which Marco Pontecorvo never was, can be an actor, an actress, who's, you know, insecure, you know? So that's what it really, that's the hardest thing to do. And then create a situation where life can go on, where you can actually capture something. And that's not, you can make believe, but when it really happens in a scene, you're really lucky to capture that. And you have to be, you have to know when that is. Uh, so that's a that's high, the hardest.
0: Thing. It's a high wire act. It's a
1: high wire act. That's right. If you have ten weeks, you go okay. If today doesn't work, we come back tomorrow. We'll do it again, or we'll do it next week. But if you know, I have this location, I have this actor, uh, and that's it. You know, it's. But you, you know, you have to you have to be very careful about not forcing things, but setting up the situation. If what you're going for is human, and if if there's something very tender or fragile that's the hardest thing to do because it's hard to act that that has to occur
0: and so since we're concluding i want to say this is a very sweet and human and funny movie and please go see it on friday
1: okay thank you And tell
0: your friends Thank Thank thank
1: you very very much